Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wedding Photo Podcast. Uh, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, um, I've gotten a ton of great reviews and uh, ratings from from the listeners, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's really good to hear that you guys are enjoying this podcast. Uh, if you're new to the podcast and you like what you hear and you want to help support the podcast, uh, you can stop what you're doing. Scroll down to the bottom, leave a five-star rating, leave me a review, subscribe to the podcast, and that will help the podcast become more discoverable for others to find. Uh, Also, if you want to just spread the word and tell other people about this podcast, if you know some friends or photographers that might be interested in listening to the Wedding Photo Podcast, uh, share this podcast with them. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Del Toro Photo. You can also find me on Instagram at Wedding Photo Podcast. And you can join the Facebook group for the podcast where we have discussions. I throw out topics and uh, sometimes um, read your questions and answers from the Facebook group on the podcast. So all the links are in the show notes below. Uh, let's see a little quick update from this past weekend. Uh, we did not have, I had a maternity shoot over the weekend, uh, but didn't have a wedding because this weekend we celebrated, uh, my mother's birthday with my family. We went out to dinner. My brother suggested this restaurant out in Beverly Hills called the Stinking Rose, uh, which was a really nice Italian restaurant. And my mom really enjoyed it. And we just kind of hung out all together, enjoyed the family, enjoyed our time together. uh, And it was a lot of fun. So I just want to throw a quick shout out to my mom because um, honestly, I get a lot of my uh, influence as an entrepreneur uh, through my mom and my father, um, who were both uh, big entrepreneurs, have had several businesses. Uh, but my mom, um, I really uh, look after the way she runs her business. She has had her own janitorial business on top of a couple other businesses that she's had, but she's had that business for over uh, or almost 40 years. And I just look at the relationships that she has uh, with her clients. Some of her clients she has known. Uh, she's had some of her clients from day one. And she's watched them have kids and their kids have kids. And, you know, we get invited to their events. They get invited to our events. And, and really, we're just like family. So um, I've, I've watched her business grow. And I've, and I've watched the reputation that she has as a business owner uh, with all these people. Um, over the years and it's been a big influence on 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 how I handle uh, relationships with our clients I think they're really important I think it's really important to really focus on the relationships with your clients and I strongly believe that uh, client relationships and and the satisfaction of your clients should be number one on your list before anything with uh, any business that you run so uh, my mom is one of my biggest influences and so mom if you're listening I just want to tell you that I love you and I hope you had a happy birthday weekend 
All right, so on this week's episode of the podcast, I have same guest as last week. Um, I recorded an episode with Stephen Van Elk from the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast. And the first half of our episode, he kind of just took over the podcast and uh, asked me a ton of questions about myself, uh, about Maria and I when we met, when we got married. He asked me about... Um, a little bit about my past working in the film industry and some of the stuff that I've done. And, uh, it was pretty fun. Um, he switched it on me, but it was, it was, it was all in good fun. And, you know, it was kind of fun having the tables turned on me like that. But after that, we did end up continuing the conversation and turning, I got my seat back. I got my microphone back and, and I did ask Steven questions that are related to the wedding uh, photography industry. So on this week's episode, we continue our discussion about wedding photography with Steven Van Elk. So you listen to, do you stick with the same beer or do you switch it up? Switched it up, man. I got another great California beer. This is by Anderson Valley. Uh, it's a bourbon barrel stout. Malt Ooh. beverage Malt beverage aged in wild turkey bourbon barrels. Um, Ulysses, you remember when you were saying you're going to send me something in the mail, in the mail beer-wise? This this is what I want you to send me. This <laughs> that you just found. Yeah, the dads have never seen that before, and it sounds amazing. Okay, this one it is, man. I'll send it to you. It's pretty good. It's not as heavy as uh, I'd like it to be, but uh, it's pretty good. What about you, man? Uh, I switched it up. So when I went when I went shopping because I wanted to make sure I had a great California beer for you tonight. Because after after giving you crap in your Facebook group, I felt like I owed it to everybody <laughs> to make good on uh, getting a good California beer. Uh, I sat, Jen told me if I was going to buy more beer, I had to buy something nice for her. And uh, there's an Indiana brewery called Taxman Brewing Company, and they make a beer called Deduction. And right now they're running a limited run of bourbon barrel aged deduction. And it's so good. I can barely speak as you can tell I'm stuttering (laughs) over here, but it's, it's very good. Yeah. Taxman's like maybe, maybe my second favorite brewery in Indiana. It's just so good. They make a lot of like Belgian style beers, which is like, I cut my teeth on Belgian style beers when I first started drinking alcohol. And so it's always fun to revisit. It's a good one. Nice. Yeah. Scar- Scarlet Lane still got my heart and my soul, but you know, Taxman's real good too. There's a lot of great breweries in Indiana. Yeah. That's, that's what, uh, that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say there's more good breweries in Michigan and there's also more wineries in Michigan yeah. and more distilleries in Michigan. Michigan is like really on point for alcohol, but Indiana's coming along. It's real good. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to let you take control of your podcast again. Yep. Yeah, we're getting back uh, into the it. The first hour has been the Steve Van Elk show. <laughs> Basically, man. Um, so do you want to get started on these real wedding photography questions now yeah. that we've gone through Ulysses' personal life? Yeah, man. Now that you Dude, Now that I wasted an hour deep. of your time that you're going to cut out of the entire <laughs> podcast. Now that you dove deep into my personal life. Make sure you got, make sure you knew everything about my wife and my kid. <laughs> We're going to talk about wedding photography. <laughs> 
No, I got uh, I got a bunch of stuff lined up. A lot of the stuff from the listeners now. Uh, so this is pretty cool. I asked. Uh, I told everybody that you were coming on, and you know, you got so many, so many, so many fans, Steve. Uh, they all came over to all my lies. Facebook group, <laughs> and just to ask you questions. Uh, so the first one I have here from Kevin Mack. He said, generally speaking. And weather seasons aside, are there any differences between weddings in California and Indiana versus Indiana? Or another way to ask is, uh, is there anything unique to California and or Indiana when it comes to weddings? So I thought See, this that's be- a really tough question because like when I think of an Indiana wedding, to me, I live in Indiana. That's just a quote unquote normal wedding. <laughs> so I'm not really aware of where the things are that might be different from how you well, guys do things in California. Why, why don't why don't we we talk about it this way? Like how how do you picture California? Like if you if if somebody hired you to shoot a wedding in California, which you have done, what are your expectations or like what do you think of like uh that that you're going to get out of those photos, you know? Cuz like I I already picture Indiana cornfields and I know you were joking about that, but that actually, to me, because we don't have all these cool cornfields, you know, in They're California. Not cool. They're not cool, Ulysses. I feel like that Ulysses, would be. Uh, so one of the first jobs I had when I was a kid was going through the cornfields and detasseling corn. So there's like this thing where with corn, there's like male and female plants and all the plants have tassels, but you only want one of the sexes to actually have their tassels. Mm-hmm in order to make new corn plants or whatever. So you have to go through and actually pull the tassels out of the corns. And I had to do that. And Ulysses, that summer, every time I shut my eyes, I saw corn. Every time I shut my eyes. just Is this why you hate corn? corn. Um, yeah, it might be. Also, I was really bad at it. Like they had people there who would like go through and make sure like you were getting all the tassels out of the, I think it was the male plants or maybe the female i don't know but they'd go through and like make sure there's you're male them. and female corn plants yes okay. and they'd they'd go through the ones that i was doing and they're always just like you missed 20 in that row and i'd be like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm 13 years old why, why are you trusting me with this in the first place why are you making me do this i hate corn <laughs> yeah but i actually I, mean, I don't even like eating corn ulysses like this is I, <laughs> very true I don't like eating corn. Corn is a weird vegetable to me, and I don't understand. Or it's a grain kind of yeah. grain vegetable. I don't like it. It doesn't taste good. I don't understand why people eat it. I grill it for my wife and my children because they seem to like it. Yeah. But like, I don't eat it when I grill it. I throw that but, out. But, it's gross. But we're not talking about eating corn. We're not talking about collecting corn. We're talking about photographing beautiful couples in uh you know the best environments in 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 where we live and uh, okay so (laughs) since you guys don't have cornfields i don't know if this is like a thing there but in indiana uh every single wedding that we have here in indiana uh so every cornfield has some sort of scarecrow to keep the crows away so they don't eat corn and at every wedding that we have um we actually have a witch enchant the scarecrow and then uh it just kind of brings it to life and then the groom has to fight it and kill it. And if the groom can't fight it and kill it and the scarecrow kills him and then the scarecrow marries the bride. Like, is that a thing they do in California too? Or is that just an Indiana thing? Hmm. You know what? I think. <laughs> <Your face right laughs> now. 
sounds sounds like it Are might you in video for this one. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that might might just be an Indiana thing. Um, I'll have to ask around though, just to be <laughs> sure. I don't think that happens around here. I don't know, but that still doesn't scare me from uh, wanting to shoot <laughs> some couples in some cool cornfields. Cool cornfields. Yeah, I had to kill three scarecrows. Um, just Jen's family was very <laughs> overzealous. They really didn't want me to marry her, and I I had to beat them all back. <laughs> well, you're what a... they didn't know was that I brought some gasoline and a uh, lighter, so you know I had the advantage there. But... Well, it looks like you uh, picked up some skills when you were uh, when you were picking corn at 13 years old, man. I guess that kind of worked out. I think I you should know what'll kill the straw man. I think you should uh you should be more grateful about that. You know what I mean? And more grateful for corn and uh and and just not have this negative look on corn, man. What's wrong with you? Okay, so Jen and I have <laughs> shot one wedding in California. It was in San Francisco. The wedding was in the Hakone Garden Estates in San Francisco. So it was like on the side of a mountain. Uh, there were like redwood trees all around. It was completely and totally beautiful. And I felt like if there's any one thing we had to like photograph while we were there, because my brand for my personal photography company is Redwood Line, yeah. I felt like I had to get a good photo of some redwood trees. Yeah. And uh, it didn't end up happening though because when we were in San Francisco is when all the fires were going on. And so it was literally so smoky in San Francisco you could barely see like 50 Anything. yards away yeah. from you. So yeah. it, it was real bad. We got a lot of really cool photos though and we had a great time and like I'm not ever going to complain. It was one of the best trips Jen and yeah. I have ever taken. Yeah. So it didn't, we didn't get what we would think of when, like when we think of a California wedding, we think either mountains or ocean or desert, like yeah. one of those three like things. And so while we were shooting on the side of a mountain with redwood trees, it wasn't like you got like those great panoramic like yeah. shots that like people from Indiana think of when they think of San Francisco, like anywhere on the California coast. Yeah. So like I, I would say that's a pretty big difference. It's like here in Indiana, it's very flat. Uh, we're one of the we're not like a great great plain state where it's just like you can just see everywhere. We don't have that big sky feel, which is like a completely different look, which is very beautiful. Where it's like it's so flat that like the sky is just huge and like like I, I'm sure you're familiar with it. You you guys go to Nebraska every once mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah. That's a uh, even though you guys like to call that a Midwest state, that is a great plain state. And like you, you got that big sky and like, it's just, it's, there's so much sky. Yeah. It's like amazing. Yeah. And, and see for, for, Indiana, for like, us when we're, we don't really have that when we're in, uh, the great Midwest state of Nebraska, when we go out there, <laughs> <laughs> when we do travel out there, uh, that's one of my favorite things is, is how big like the sky is to everything else. I think it's just looking at a, you know, you're not used to those worlds. So like if I were to go to Indiana, I would look at Indiana in a whole different perspective just because I've never been there and everything would be fascinating to me. Just how like you guys being in California, I mean, I think you got a shot. Um, you, you were at um, the Golden State Bridge, right? Like you went to like that mm-hmm. hilltop and the, I remember there's like a silhouette shot of you, right? That, that you took. Yeah, not, that not, of, took. not of the wedding photography. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Just I know, but Jen. but just that, like and you know, you damn Ulysses, that was Jen's shot, not mine. I, I Jeez, know I, I, that, that's but the point I'm trying to make 
is that even with what California gave you, you guys still looked at it with those eyes of like, oh my God, even though this is like we had the wildflowers and we couldn't do a lot of the stuff that we wanted to do, you guys were still like kind of in awe of what you did get to see and, you know, you were able to capture something cool like that, you know? We literally landed in San Francisco, got in our rental car, and drove to the Golden Gate Bridge. That was the most important thing to us. We wanted to uh, go and see that and check it out. Yeah. Second most important thing was we wanted to go to Muir uh, Forest, Muir Woods, uh, whatever it's called. And that uh, wasn't very far from the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. But on that day, we just we had to get back to check into our hotel and do a bunch of other stuff. So we didn't get to do it that day. And then we were going to do it the last day that we were there. But because of all the smoke that yeah. was in the air, we both felt really, really, really sick the day after the wedding. And so the last day we were there was the day after the wedding. And like we just slept almost all day yeah. until we had to get on our plane to fly away because we both felt so terrible because you weren't supposed to be outside. Like yeah. there, there was like a warning, like don't go outside, stay inside. You know, yeah. if you can have air conditioning, have some sort of filter so you're not breathing this in. And we literally spent a whole day outside breathing that stuff in, which I mean, it's, it's nothing because we got to fly back to Indiana and yeah. escape that. And there were people who were living like that for like three, four weeks. So, you know, yeah, it's pretty rough, man. Those, those fires, they, they beat you up. I think Marie and I went on, um, we went up into, uh, the mount. we went on like a little mountain. Um, we rented Airbnb for our, um, for our anniversary up in the mountains. And, you know, we, we like going outdoors and we like hiking and stuff, but we couldn't do anything because the winds were blowing in the direction that we were at and all the smoke from the fires were hovering over us. And we Mm -hmm. literally had to stay in all day. And it's not even that we didn't want to, you know, because like when there are fires around you, you still have to kind of live everyday life. You have to go to work, you have to go to the grocery store. So you, you kind of go around and you're, you're breathing this stuff all day long. You try to stay away from it as much as possible. Um, but even if you try to do something like it's hard, like we, we went out for breakfast and we were like, this, uh, we were debating on whether we should do like a small hike. Well, by the time we got back to their Airbnb, we were already out of breath just from breathing and driving, you know, a couple miles from eating. Like we couldn't do it anymore. It was like, if we go on a hike, we're just, we won't even have the energy to do it because it's, the smoke is just too much, you know? So yeah, it's rough. It's rough. And, and I mean, uh, yeah. Ulysses and I are both very cognizant of the fact that I had a little bit of trouble breathing one day is nothing compared to like the people who lost their homes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That very people true. who lost their yeah. life, stuff yeah. like that. So, I mean, it sounds very pathetic to even complain yeah. about. No. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. man, I had trouble breathing and I had to sleep <laughs> in my bed all day, but no. uh, you know, I, I don't mean to like belittle anybody who struggled much worse with that. No, definitely not, man. No, it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's something that California struggles with every, you know, every year it seems like. So it's pretty rough, man. Talking back to like the, like the, I guess more like the expected experiences out here, you know, just like how you don't really care so much about like the cornfields. We really enjoy, like, I really do love the mountains, but like, uh, one of the things that everyone wants to see or people want to see when they visit California is like the beaches. Cause they do have mm-hmm. all these beautiful beaches, 
But to me, they feel, I feel like they're, I'm not a beach person. So like I, to me, they're overrated. Like I don't want to spend time at the beach. Uh, Most of the time, you know, the pictures that you see for like beach photos is like this beautiful sunset, you know, with the waves crashing in the background. But the reality of beaches is like it's overcast 90% of the time. It's cold. It's windy. I actually just shot a wedding at a beach in Ventura and it was 50 mile an hour winds and Mm -hmm. it was it was rough man it was rough everybody still enjoyed that wedding but it was really rough it's not what you expected and there it was it was a perfect sunset but with 15 mile an hour winds you know so um that's usually what you get when you go to the beach and then photographers in California don't necessarily like taking their cameras out to the beach a whole lot because all that sand and the wind and it all gets up in your gear and scratches everything up. And it's just, it's not good for your gear, man. So in California, uh, are barn, barn weddings a big thing? No, they're not. I think, uh, there are venues that are being created to have that rustic look. So, Mm -hmm. so you have the option. I feel like you, like if you wanted to have a barn wedding, you could, but you really have to like look for those venues in California. You know what I mean? Where I'm assuming you tell me, but Indiana, like, uh, there's probably more of those venues. Jen and I live five minutes from Mustard Seed Gardens, which is a barn venue. And we also live five minutes from Edge Barn, which is a barn venue. <laughs> if, you, if you couldn't believe the second one, let me tell you, it definitely is Edge Barn, barn venue. Um, yeah, so there are quite a few yeah. barn venues in the Midwest, I would okay. say. And like when Jen and I first started out, it felt like the barn venues were more of like, a well, we have a barn, so I guess why not? And now a lot of these barn venues are like, we had a barn and we completely like had had like a crew come in, renovate the whole thing, put in air conditioning. And it's like it's like any other venue. It just looks like a barn yeah. from the outside. But yeah. it's like I think like the last time we shot in a barn that was like a real barn was like two, three years ago. It's a barn outside of Indy. And it was like this sort of barn where like the wood doesn't come all the the way together yeah so like the sun shines through the wood of the wall into the barn so yeah it sounds really cool the day we were shooting there it was like a hundred degrees outside (laughs) it was terrible and the barn was two stories luckily jen and i were seated on the main story you go up a story in a barn like that on a day where it's 100 it's like 110 degrees. <laughs> Jen's probably going to listen to this and be real mad at me because she's going to be like, it wasn't 100 degrees. It was like 95 or something. But it felt well, like when you're when you're working, degrees. it feels yeah. like a lot more. No, yeah. No, I feel, yeah. So like the, pe- the people, the guests at the wedding, just uh, they just walked outside like and just they were standing outside in direct sunlight because it was cooler than being in the barn. Yeah. So like, (laughs) yeah. So like a barn wedding sounds cool until, you know, all of a sudden it's really not cool at all. Um, but like even that barn was like, it's, it was a cement floor and like, you know, it was, even though they didn't have air conditioning and it was like, they couldn't have had air conditioning because you know, the wood didn't even connect. Like it would have been ridiculous trying to air condition that place. Like, so they couldn't do air conditioning in a place like that. But like, even then it was still like a cement floor. Like it wasn't yeah. like a real yeah. barn barn, but well, I think we could say yeah. that about just, uh, you know, any, anywhere we live, you know, just how you're saying, like 
when when I picture your barns in Indiana, they just sound cool. When you said the wood separating, the sun shining through, like uh, if I had to go out there and be in the hundred and ten degree weather shooting a barn wedding, I'd probably be enjoying every minute of it because I'd never done it before. But when you have to do it yeah. all the time, it's very different. Same thing out here. Like you know, we look forward to our mountain weddings, but a lot of the times uh, it's really cold up in the mountains. So you know, and then if we have to do uh, a ceremony outside, you have to sit outside for the next two hours in the freezing cold. You know, uh, with this picturesque background. Yeah, it's cool, but you're freezing, and there's nothing you can do about it. You have to stand there and get all these family members in line and taking their photos while freezing your butt off. So. Do you guys do a lot of uh, vineyard weddings? Do we do a lot of vineyard weddings? Yeah. Um, We, uh, there's a lot of vineyards around us. Uh, Like uh, um, Alex Bruce is, is one of, uh, one of your listeners as well. He lives out here in California. I've talked to him a few times and he lives in Temecula and Temecula is known for its uh for like its wineries and stuff you know so i think if you live down in that so area so note to self if i go to california again in the next like year or two visit alex bruce not ulysses del toro got it got it got no it. let's go down together man and uh, i'm sure he'll take <laughs> us i want to drink wine with you guys what are you talking about <laughs> i strictly drink beer i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Oh no, dude! It's uh, I've gone on some of those wine tours, and I mean, you pay like fifteen bucks, and they give you a bunch of free wine. Well, I mean, it's fifteen dollars worth of wine, but yeah, you can get down on some wine down there. Uh, no, if I think if you live in that area, like I know he shoots a lot of wineries. Um, I don't live around that many wineries, but we get contracted to shoot in that area often. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's an, an option for us. I think we're kind of central to a lot of different environments. So like, um, where we live in Redlands, we're, we're right at the base of a mountain. Uh, so we get to shoot, uh, some venues up in like Big Bear, uh, up in the mountains, uh, Big Bear, California. We're less than an hour away from the desert, so we've gone out to Joshua Tree. We're really close to Palm Springs, and then oh, cool! Yeah, we shoot a lot of weddings in uh, a lot of our weddings. I feel like they're more in Los Angeles. Uh, we're about an hour from Los Angeles, uh, but we've shot all over Los Angeles. I mean, like East east west uh up in the valley like we've done all, all kinds of places in la and then uh san diego is only an hour and a half away and same thing we do a lot of weddings down there so we're kind of central to all these different environments and we get a nice little mix of all of them jen and i get like a real good mix there's like a the barn at kennedy farms there's a barn in zionsville uh there's mustard seed gardens which is a barn there's the edge barn um there's a barn in Avon. There's uh, the barn outside Kokomo. Uh, there's the barn in Baroda. Just, you know, a lot of different sort of venues and places that we get to shoot at. Yeah. Man, I know you're being sarcastic. So <laughs> well, again, to me, I was no, like, we, man, that sounds we, so we, rad. You get all the barns. <laughs> so we give uh, Indiana like some crap. But um, like I, I grew up in northern Indiana, which is like right. Uh, like I grew up 10 minutes from the border of Michigan. Oh, they, so they have more barns there? Every once, yeah, they got more barns there. Every once in a while, we get to go up to like uh, Southern Michigan to shoot weddings, yeah. and we shoot like on the, like on the coast of like Michigan and stuff like that. Yeah. Which like Michigan, it's not an ocean, but like when you're standing on one side of Lake Michigan, you can't see the other side. Yeah. Like it's it's a very very big lake. Yeah. 
So you like you get like a and I mean parts of Indiana like the Indiana Dunes and the Indiana National Shoreline like that's the on Lake Michigan as well. So like in Indiana, even though we sometimes say like there's nothing here or whatever, like you do have like transitions from like southern Indiana where it's very hilly. Like southern Indiana is similar to Kentucky where it's just like it's not mountainous, but it's like very hilly, and so there's like deep valleys and stuff like that. And then all the way up like like north. And we live like smack dab in the middle, but like all the way up north where there's like, you know, the dunes and stuff like that. And southern Michigan has like just so many wineries. They got a lot of distilleries, a lot of breweries. Um, so like there, there's a lot of uniqueness to the yeah. Indiana area. I feel like sometimes I kind of give it a lot of crap, but it, we live in a pretty cool state. I got to say. Yeah. No, we um, California does have a lot of cool options as well. Like, uh, you know, just like I said, we're an hour away from the beach, the mountains, the desert. It's all really yeah, great. See, I'm just like two and a half hours away from the beach on Lake Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like we're about the same distance when it comes to traffic, though. That's something that like you, I don't think you really understand unless you live here and like living here, you're kind of used to it. You know, we, we know how long it's going to take. You know, if you tell me, you know, I have to go to LA on a, on a, uh, I had a, we had a wedding on a Friday, uh, in Los Angeles uh, up in the Valley and it was in three different locations. And really the, the, the thing that we had to figure out was leaving a big enough gap between all these locations because even though they were less than five miles away from each other, they were all potentially an hour away from each other. So, yeah. you know, you really have to figure that out because that's that's how bad the traffic is. There could be as many as like 20 million people in Los Angeles as at one time. So, um, yeah, it sucks, man. It's See, the it's Midwest, the closest we got to that is Chicago, and it's a big city, but it doesn't compare yeah. with L.A. Yeah, uh, Maria's stepdad, we were in in, uh, in the great uh, Midwest state of Nebraska, in Omaha, Nebraska, and we were driving on the freeway, and he was... <laughs> he was Omaha. <laughs> he was pissed because there was so much traffic, and I was looking around, and he was just mad that there were cars on the freeway. <laughs> like it wasn't even traffic. There was just a couple cars around us. And he's like, what, what's everyone doing out here? <laughs> it was pretty great, man. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's the environment that we're used to and, you know, it's easy to pick it apart. But if anybody else comes, comes over to your, your neck of the woods, like it's a whole different thing. How do you guys deal with, uh, with like the weather? Cause this year, uh, we actually got some rain, which I feel like it's rare down here. Um, we've been getting rained out of a lot of our shoots. Do you guys? Oh, really? <laughs> I've only been to California twice. And one time there were wildfires that made it so you couldn't be outside. And the other time uh, was the only day it rained after like a year and a half of drought when I was in L.A. Yeah. It's long before I knew you, Ulysses. Yeah, that's that's usually how it goes, man. Like if it rains, it rains for a day or like if we. Oh, if, that's usually how it goes is when Steve Van Elk comes to California. <laughs> it's sort the of day it rains. <laughs> well, you got to stay it like a natural disaster. You got to stay longer. Rain. You got to stay longer than like a day or two, man. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it'll even when it rains, like uh, if we have a shoot and it's it says it's going to rain. Uh, we feel like it might rain in the morning and then by the time we shoot, it's not raining or we could still get away with it because it's not really that bad of a 
of a rain like we can still go or we can go somewhere else where it's we can go like 20 miles in a different direction and it's not raining you know what i mean um but i feel like you guys have to deal with a lot more weather how do you do that the weather here is very unpredictable and like so like earlier this year or not earlier this year last year i had an engagement shoot and we rescheduled it twice because it was supposed to rain and then on the day when the engagement shoot was rescheduled for, like, wasn't supposed to rain, and then it started raining. And, it, like, it turned out being one of the coolest shoots I've ever done because, like, there was a break in the clouds yeah. and the sun started to shine through and it was raining. And, like, it was just, like, these beautiful photos of this couple in, like, you know, sunlight and rain, like, dancing around and having fun because, yeah. like, once once we got to that point, it's like we'd been outside for 15 minutes waiting for the rain to stop hiding under a tree and they were a little damp already. So they were like, screw it. Let's just dance and play in the rain. And we got like beautiful photos, like some of my favorite photos I've ever shot. Um, and that's just how I feel about like Indiana weather all the time. Like Jen and I have shot so many weddings where it, they've been outdoor weddings and they didn't have a backup plan for if it rained and then it rained and we just shot outside in the rain. Wait, you and they, it's just they didn't so have a backup times. plan. No, no. Like, you should always have a backup plan, but a lot of people don't. Dude, in California, if people have their weddings in like January, there's a like point zero 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 one percent chance it might rain, and there is a backup plan. <laughs> so, like the backup plan with a lot of these things is like we want to have an outdoor wedding, and if it rains, we'll move inside, mm-hmm. or we'll go underneath a tent. And then sometimes the couple will be like, we don't want to have a tent. Like we, we just want an outside wedding. Yeah. And so then it rains and they don't have anything because they didn't, they didn't plan for if it rained because they didn't want to have a tent because like, I don't know. Have you ever shot like a wedding underneath a tent before? Like the reception portion of it? Yeah. Like it's just, it's not fun. Yeah. And like, it doesn't look great. And let me just tell you like an outdoor wedding where it's raining looks beautiful (laughs) like like when you're getting rained on and you're getting married and it's like i don't care that it's raining we're still getting married that's a really good look yeah in your photos and in your video and all that kind of stuff um when you're getting married under a tent and it's raining outside that look is not nearly as good yeah so a lot of couples just go and plow through it like we've had like three or four in the last like year who it's rained on their wedding day and they've just you know I don't care. We're going to get married outside anyway. Nice. nice. So I feel like Indi- people in Indiana are pretty resilient to that sort of weather, I feel like. But like then we've also had weddings like Jen and I had a wedding on New Year's Day or New, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Not this last year, but the year before. Uh, wait, <laughs> we're in a new year now. So not last year, but the year before last year, I guess, technically. <laughs> this is New Year's Eve. years ago. Uh, yeah. Um, like a year and a half ago, really, though. But uh where it was like negative 15 degrees on their wedding day. Oh my gosh. But they wanted photos outside in front of the state house in downtown Indianapolis. So we had to go outside to get wedding photos. And, um, the bride did not want to wear, like she had bought like these like fake fur, like jet coat things for all the bridesmaids to wear. She, she wanted a picture without them on. So in like negative 15 degree weather with wind chill of like, I don't know what the wind chill was. It's freezing though. 
And it was like the kind of weather where Jen and I were afraid our cameras would stop working yeah. because it's so cold. The batteries would get too cold. So like Jen and I brought like a, like the hand warmer things that you break apart and then they keep your hand warm. We brought those and we connected them to the, like took rubber bands and wrapped them around our cameras so they'd be where the battery was <laughs> to keep the batteries warm. I mean, you laugh like that's a real thing. Yeah, I know. Doing I know. <laughs> So like we had all that stuff and then we went to shoot outside with them and it was like the girls had to like lose their fur so they could get some shots outside and like the bride and the groom were just like, yeah, no, we're doing this because we want these photos and we don't want it to look like we're, you know, bundled up for the cold. Like, and like the photos looked really great, but like at the same time, you're just kind of like. Who who are these people <laughs> who, who who like who care so much about these photos that like they're willing to like at negative 15 or whatever it was like you're putting your body in serious harm like being outside without being covered up like I mean I say that and like there's photographers in Canada listening to this and like what are you talking about we are naked <laughs> at negative 15 that's nothing so you know it's it's all yeah. it's all about where you live in, but it's like, nice when it, it is nice us, when but. it's nice when you do have couples that are willing to do stuff like that because one one of our favorite weddings was on New Year's it rained and the couple was said screw it let's go with it and then one of our favorite shots was them walking down the aisle after they got married with everybody holding umbrellas and cheering them on and you know like nobody was prepared for that but they just they went for it and everybody was like okay let's do it and it and it came yeah. out really awesome you know yeah and, one of our favorite weddings was like it started raining during the middle of the ceremony and like the guests just all like at once just all popped umbrellas. <laughs> it's like it was like half the guests had umbrellas. Okay, maybe not all the guests, but like half the guests had umbrellas. Half of them had like uh like their programs over their heads, and it's yeah. just like a really funny shot because it's like oh everybody's covered up now. <laughs> I love that look though. Like yeah. it, it's just like we're 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 doing it no yeah. matter what. Yeah, I would prefer that. We've we've had couples that. You know, they don't want to get their hair wet. They don't want to be cold. They don't want to do any extra stuff. We've we've had couples where they just, they cut the photos short, you know, which is like, I mean, what did you hire us for if you if you don't want to take any more pictures? You know, it's like really weird. But, you know, some people are just like that. And that's what you get. So, Do you fight them at all when they don't want to take more pictures? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, what can you do? You know, they're they're requesting it. I think we're just very vocal with them. Like, hey, you know, if, if we don't take any more photos like right now or, or try to figure out something different, like, you know, there's there's nothing else we can do. These are the photos that you already got. And, you know, if they decide that that's the route they want to take, well, so be it. You know, they, they chose that. We've this had- is uh, This is what Jen and I say. We look at them and we say, look, if you don't want to take any more photos, that's fine with us. The thing is, I personally, I don't feel like I got enough photos of you guys. And I feel like not only will you guys be disappointed, but I will be disappointed with this. So I would love it if we could take some more photos. But if you guys don't want to, like it's 100% your choice and we don't have to. So it's kind of like a... It's kind of like we give them the option, but we also kind of guilt trip them a little bit, you know? Because it's like, I don't know. I've heard other photographers say like they say... I don't have enough. We're doing it anyway. And they're like, yeah. I never want to be in that no. position because it's their wedding day. And like, if they really would prefer to have fun, but like, I want to make sure I let them know I don't feel like I have enough yeah. and I don't feel like I will be happy. And I think maybe they won't be happy yeah. because then if they say no, 
then when they get their wedding photos back and they're like, well, why don't we have more? They'll be like, oh, because I said I didn't want more, you know, yeah. as opposed to blaming you, the photographer. So yeah. I feel like giving them that, like putting the onus of responsibility on them for that is yeah. the, the best thing you can do at that point in time. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, we definitely throw it on them. And then, uh, but we don't pressure them into, in, into doing any other photos. So like one of the things that we like to do is we leave it up to them. If they don't want to do any more photos, it's fine. Um, usually like when, like, like let's say it rains out, but you know, we have the opportunity to do some cool photos out in the rain and they don't want to do that. It kind of throws me off creatively cause I was like, Oh, well I didn't, I didn't really have anything else planned except for <laughs> getting you guys wet and doing some awesome photos out there. So at that point, yeah, if they don't want to take any more photos, it's fine. We kind of just leave it on them. But then later on, like during the reception, if there's any downtime or there's a moment that we can pull them aside, I will have already like set something up with my flashes like out in in the hallway or found some other location where I can snap a few extra photos, you know, that they wouldn't have mm -hmm. even really expected. I, I try to I try to find I try to challenge myself and find something that I normally wouldn't do, but that would still satisfy them. Right. Like she doesn't want to go outside. It's windy or it's raining and she's not the type of bride that wants to like mess up her look. So I find something else that'll work with them, take them away for five minutes and just get those extra, extra photos for them. You know what I mean? And I think taking that extra yep. time, they, they notice that stuff. So even if it's not a hundred more photos, it's five more. I mean, just the fact that you took the time to do that is pretty good too. Mm -hmm. You guys have like a, a break, like a photography break, right? Like a legit, you guys have a photography season. How long is your break? Uh, we, we, we joke around that we have a break. We sometimes do, sometimes don't. It all depends on booking. So sometimes we don't book anything in July period. It's too hot. You know, yeah. uh, sometimes we'll have three or four weddings in July. Sometimes we don't book anything in December or January or February. Sometimes we do like yeah. it, we, we joke around and say that we have a break. Uh, it's not true though. Like we don't really have a break. It's just, I think it's safe to say there are less weddings in the Midwest in the winter because mm -hmm. it's cold and people don't want to get married when it's cold yeah. and when it's snowy or more likely in Indiana. Yeah. It's cold, but it's not snowy. So like if it was snowy, you could get some pretty snow pictures, but it's not snowy. So it's just cold and it's like, why is it cold if it's not going to be snowy? Like there's, there's nothing beautiful about this. Screw this. Wow. <laughs> like right now we had snow this weekend, the snow melted and then all week it's been like a uh, high thirties, low forties, uh, which is Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, for anybody listening outside of the U S high thirties, low forties is not great. It's, <laughs> it's like, well, it's not freezing, but it's not warm either. And all of the greenery, like the trees, the grass, the flowers, all that stuff is like too cold for us to, uh, you know, put out anything green yeah. or lifelike. So it just <laughs> looks like a barren wasteland in Indiana right now. Come on down to Indiana. You can get married in March and have a barren wasteland wedding. Sounds pretty cool to me, man. 
<laughs> yeah, you say that, but you have barren wasteland at certain points in the year too. Oh yeah, man, it it, uh, it gets pretty dry. Well, you were here when it was pretty dry. <laughs> yeah, there's times like right now we've had a lot of rain. We're gonna have a pretty pretty awesome spring, man. All the hills, all the mountains, everything is crazy green, and I don't feel like we're used to it because normally here. Uh, it's so dry. Everything is just brown. Every, all the hills are brown, which uh, which is it's cool too because there's a lot of like um, you can find a lot of fields with like that tall yellow grass. You know, uh, it mm-hmm. looks cool, but it really is just dead grass. Uh, but right now, all of that is just lush and green. And normally, when it rains, it gets green, and the next day, it's back to just dead. But right now, everything's staying pretty green. It's nice. Um, so we're looking forward to taking advantage of that, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully it lasts a little bit. Dealing with that super bloom though, right? There's uh, <laughs> tons of tourists driving out to get the wildflower photos and it's causing traffic to be backed up for like four hours, making everybody's life difficult and terrible. Yeah, man, that super bloom is crazy. We, we, we've had it the last couple of years and it's, it's always a story, man. People go out there and trample the wildflowers and they make a new story about it, about how upset everyone is. But I mean, the bloom's always going to attract people. People. I think now um, what we just read, the recent solution is now on the weekends, um, you have to shuttle out to the bloom um, and it costs like $10 to take a shuttle out there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, in reality, like um, it doesn't take much to find a poppy field that is not like a, uh, a popular location, like really close to where we live. There's a section of hills with tons of poppy fields that like nobody goes to, you know. Um, that's six four five three Redlands, <laughs> California. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, no. sorry, uh, I forgot. Uh, Ulysses <laughs> and Maria live at sixty nine sixty nine Redlands, <laughs> California. <laughs> Yeah, that's, on 420 Street. That's, yeah, got that's, it all in. Got it all in. That's where the super blooms happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, there. I mean, these these uh these wildflowers are growing everywhere, man. I, I don't know why people think they have to go to that specific area, but um, we got tons of hills and tons of mountains everywhere, and there's wildflowers everywhere. It doesn't really take much to find you know a really cool area like that. But yeah, everyone's going down to Lake Elsinore and. And uh, and just joining the crowds. I don't know. I think it's a it's it's a social media thing for sure, because everyone sees it on there and they all head down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have a lot more people in California, I feel like, than we have in Indiana, period. Like just you guys have more than us. (laughs) Yeah. But also, I feel like you guys have a lot more people in California who are trying to be social media influencers make a living off of what yeah. they do on social yeah. media than we have in Indiana. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, like I could list the people in Indianapolis who I, who I know who are trying to make a living off of social media influencing on like my hands. Like I, I've got 10 fingers and I could probably get them all in less than that. I feel like that's not the same in LA. No, it's weird here. I, I, um, I recently went to like the discovery section on Instagram and there'll be like a random person and I'll click on them and they have like 8 million followers and they're not 
a TV or movie personality or anything. It's just like this. Like, who is this person? guy, Casey Neistat? How does he have so many followers? Exactly. I don't understand. <laughs> and then you get on YouTube and you're like, 10 million followers on there. What is no. going on? Dude, some of these people are just pure Instagram. Pure Instagram. I don't understand these use. Yeah, I don't get it, man. It's it's uh it's pretty crazy. Uh um, like using Casey Neistat as my like focal point for all like social media influencers because he's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> just just by a little bit though, man. Just by a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh Kevin Mack asks, Can you rent an elephant for Indian Barat processional <laughs> in Indianapolis? Can you? Can you do that? Um you know what? I know you can rent horses, like white horses, yeah. which is what we typically see. And honestly, all of the Indian Barat processionals that Jen and I have shot have all been in Muncie, Indiana. Um, no, we had one in Avon, Indiana. We've never done one in like downtown Indy. So I don't know if you can rent an elephant for that, but there is like an elephant. Uh, it's like an elephant recovery place where they do like they like rescue elephants in like uh, the south side of Indiana. Um, where you like, you can pay to go and like pet elephants for yeah. a day or like, yeah. feed them or hug them or something. I don't know. So like, I don't know that you can rent one for a Barat because I feel like that's really kind of, uh, I don't feel like that's the greatest, like, you know, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's something a little wrong with renting an elephant to ride for a day, but not in California. I also, <laughs> I also paid like uh, $20 last year for my wife to be able to ride an elephant because yeah. they're her favorite animals in the entire world. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know 100%. I don't, I've never seen it happen in Indiana. Have you been in, have you ever seen a wedding with an elephant? <laughs> I professional in California? I can't say I have, but if you gave me the task to rent an elephant, I'm I'm like 95% sure that I could probably figure that out for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally. I mean, you can rent anything in California. I mean, there's there's besides like the zoos that we have, there's a bunch of random wild animal parks and then there's like people that just own wild animals and there's wild animal trainers and you know i mean it's part of the way i see it it's part of like the whole hollywood industry like it it it's all there anything that you want it's all there when i was better or worse and usually for worse yeah yeah (laughs) when i was going to film school Um, I remember we did a bunch of random, you know, whatever films, commercials, and for all these projects that we did, we had to rent all these things. And, um, I remember we had to rent like a costume and us just as regular students or regular people trying to rent stuff out, we got allowed to go into like the Warner brothers rental house and look through all their costumes and everything. I mean, and some of them were tagged with like the actual costumes that were used in all these big movies. And you can just rent them out for whatever. It was like not even expensive to rent out a co- like an astronaut uh, costume from the movie. What is it? Apollo 13. Like you can rent that thing out for like 45 bucks for the weekend or whatever. It wasn't like a big deal. You can find all of that. Uh, you can rent out police cars. You could rent out Tom Hanks. <laughs> you could costume. rent out Tom you Hanks. You could sniff the groin of Tom <laughs> Hanks astronaut suit for $14 yeah. for one week. Yeah. I don't know what sort of perv wants to do that, but I'm sure there are a lot of pervs out there who look at Tom Hanks and think, yeah, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. We, we needed like foliage for a shoot we were doing and we went to this rental house and there was a section where they had giant, uh, fake trees. And they, I remember that there was like a movie they explained they were from, but like you can create entire forests out of like everything that they have. It's so crazy. The, the stuff that you have access to. Uh, just like in LA alone. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. You can you can rent. I'm pretty sure you can rent an elephant. No problem. <laughs> okay, I got a question for you, man. At what point um, should photographers raise their prices? That's somebody. Somebody just recently asked me that. Um, but when do you know the right time to raise your prices? When you're getting multiple, when you're getting multiple requests for quotes on the same day. How did you how did you guys go about like raising your prices when you guys first started uh, in the wedding? industry? So when Jenna and I first started, I was working full time doing like video production type stuff because that's my background more. And so for the first three or four years, Jen could do stuff like raise her prices because we could live off of what I was making. It wasn't a good life. We could live off of what I was making, but we could live off of it. And, um, then when I, I quit my job to buy a video production company with a friend of mine from college, things became a little bit more complicated and it became less of a, you can raise prices every year because we want to keep getting into different markets or whatever. And so like Jen had this really cool thing where it was like the first four or five years that we were in business, she just raised her prices every year and booked the same amount of weddings and just so it was just like raised her prices made more money and like after like the first year i started shooting with her as her second shooter before that she was like shooting solo or hiring a second shooter then any money she was making when she was raising her prices was all going to us because it wasn't like she was paying a second shooter for it yeah or whatever so it was very helpful to us to make for us to make more money and to work on our brand and build like a better brand. Yeah. And, um, then once I, once I quit my job and I started doing full time, like video production work, um, for my own company that I owned, then it became more of like a, we can only raise our prices if we are getting so many contacts, like requests for quotes and stuff like that, that we're, we're actually to a point where we're booking so much like that we can't like, we're turning so many people away that like it's to a point where like it doesn't make sense for us to be at this price point because obviously staying at this price point, like we're, we're so inexpensive that we're getting too many requests for quotes. Like we're getting too many people who are interested in us. I feel like I'm not phrasing this super well, but like it's basically like a, it's a game of supply and demand, basic economics, like, um, but do, do, do the, we only the, have so the much type supply, of weddings. So if demand is way up here, we have to raise our prices. But do the type of weddings that you're getting affect those decisions as well? Obviously when I first started out, I was, you know, I was charging like really cheap and slowly moving up my prices as mm-hmm. I saw, you know, the demand coming in. But I guess the question is like, at what point do you decide like your price point 
like to stop raising your prices? I mean, I'm sure you raise your prices, you know, every year, but at one point you decide like what's a good price range to be at in general, because, you know, when you, when you start at $500, you move up to a thousand, you move up to 2000, but at what point do you like, you know, do you go up to 10,000 and then 20,000, you know, at what point do you decide like what's a good price point to be at? Jen and I have had a lot of discussions about this because the basic idea is at what price point do we get to where the only people we're drawing into our business are people that we would consider bridezillas, people who are very demanding and are never going to be satisfied with any of the work they get. Um, And the more we've raised our prices, the more we've, you know, hit new price points and gotten in touch with brides who are at different price points the more we've come to realize the idea that like a bridezilla is somebody who spends a lot of money and is never happy with anybody who she hires it's kind of a myth at least where we live um we don't deal with that a lot and we are like we we charge more money for our weddings than most other people who live in our area and we i don't I can't think of a single bride we would ever say was a bridezilla. And I'm not saying this just to be like nice or because I'm worried about our past brides and what they might think if they listen to this. Like I actually cannot honestly think of a single time where we've been in a situation where we've been like, this bride is just like crazy. Like she's demanding the world for nothing. Like we've never gotten ourselves in that situation. We don't know hardly anybody else like in our price range who has ever said like they've had a quote unquote bridezilla. So like the discussion is always like how when do we get to a point where we've priced ourselves into a range where we don't where we feel like we don't want to work with the people who can afford us anymore. Uh, basically like people who'd be too demanding who would be who would never be satisfied who would treat us like uh, like servants like we're less yeah. than. Yeah. Like, like we're not even people anymore. Like, and the answer to that is we've, we haven't hit that point yet. If, if that point even exists and, uh, the more, the more time we spend in the industry, the less we start to think that is a thing. And the more we start to think that is a myth, a legend, uh, just like a great California man is a legend (laughs) or a myth. When we decided to start like raising our prices, I mean, we reached a point where we were making good money with our weddings. But when we decided or when we had discussions about like where we wanted to be, where we wanted our our price points to be, uh, we set goals for not the type of uh, couple that we wanted, but like I guess the type of uh, experience that we wanted. So uh, Mm -hmm. one of our things was we wanted couples that weren't, coming to us to negotiate price we wanted couples that were coming to us because they just wanted our work so there there came a point when we were messing around with like our our different packages and things that we offered and the prices that we offered where we finally hit a point where uh, you know we had package a b and c and everyone was asking for for uh, b so we're like, okay, that's cool. Uh, but there was still like some negotiation there. So when we mm. raised our prices, there was there was a point that we hit where everybody was getting like the package that we kind of wanted them to get. And there was no longer like a negotiation. They were just like, they would reach out to us. They would tell us like, hey, we've been, you know, 
watching your guys' work, really love what you do. They had like a sit down or over the phone conference call with us. And then they just decided like, great. Yeah. Where do we sign? And there was never any discussion about uh, money. And when we hit that point, you know, that's kind of, that was kind of like our goal. Okay. So this is around the price range that we want to be at because these are the kind of couples that we want. We want couples that are coming to us because they just want our work and they don't really care what it costs. And our price point mm-hmm. is at a, and our price point is at a competitive level that is still, you know, <laughs> Listen, you gotta raise those prices, bro. You gotta raise those prices. I don't know what you're doing. But if everybody who comes to you is like, this is a great price, yeah. you're too low. No, no, not just that. Uh, but we hit a specific like demographic and price point that we're comfortable charging and we're getting the type of weddings that we want to shoot. I mean, we're traveling all over Southern, Southern California. But Ulysses, uh, do you want to travel all the, over Southern California? Well, that's California, what I was going to say. Would you rather just shoot in the Redlands area? Oh, I would love to shoot in Redlands. But when we do travel outside of Redlands, if it's far enough out and, you know, the, the type of weddings that we get is if we need to include hotel prices or mileage or any of those things that are outside of of you know our contract they have no problem adding that in and that's kind of where we wanted to be at where there's no like negotiating it's like no whatever it takes like that's that's we just want you guys there and and that, that those are the couples that we want the one the couples that just want us there <laughs> you you raise your prices it's all about supply and demand i, I feel yeah. like i said something similar no to that you earlier. you said yeah no you get you got yeah. it um but it's it's all about when you when you're getting too many requests on a certain day yeah. so um this is kind of circuitous. It, this doesn't make a ton of sense for what he asked, but like what Jen and I found in the last year is we were getting a lot of requests on the same day, but not everybody who was requesting us could book us. So that's what caused us in the last like year, two years to be like, we need to create an associate photographer program. Yeah. Now we work with several other photographers in the area and uh, we have them associate shoot weddings for us so that we can book more than one wedding on a day. I think like our biggest day that we have coming up is we have four, four, four wedding jobs on the same day. So three of the jobs are photos and Jen's doing one wedding. I'm doing one wedding. Uh, one of our associates is doing a wedding and then one of our sh- associates is doing a video at the wedding that Jen's doing a photo for. So like one of our biggest days coming up this next year, we have like four weddings and then we have another wedding where we have like three, we, we have like two or three days where we have like three weddings booked. Um, but not all of them are all photo. Some of them are photo, some are video because my background's video and I used to own a video production company. I don't know if I've ever really talked about this. I used to own a video production company. I sold it and I signed a two-year non-compete when I sold it. And that two-year non-compete was up as of last March. So we are, even though the non-compete didn't really cover wedding videos, like, I didn't feel right pursuing that line of business back when the non-compete was still going. So Jen and I talked about it and we decided to kind of try to wait until the non-compete was up and then try to jump back into more video work. And like the non, like the company I owned was in a different city. That's like an hour away from where we live now. So like we're not really competing with the people I sold my company to 
by doing work now here an hour away in a different city but still like i don't know man like i I still feel weird about it because like my business partner and i we sold the company to like some kids who were still in college who were like one of them had just graduated and then like he was buying the company with his brother and like they really wanted to make a go of this company and like I don't ever want to compete with them. I don't ever want to take a client away from them, even now that the two-year not competes up. Because like these these kids are like super talented, and I just I want them to succeed so bad. Like I would have sold them my company if I didn't want them to succeed. So like my company didn't do any wedding videos at all. So like now that like Jen and I are like thinking maybe I should get back into doing more video work. Like I'm doing more wedding video stuff because like that doesn't compete with like the business that I sold at all. Yeah. Like if that makes sense, like I just, I don't know, man, like it's, it's kind of a weird place to be, but that's your background too. So you feel, do you feel more comfortable doing videos? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I, I shot out a lot of like, stuff before like i've only been doing like weddings on my own photography wise for like the last two years before that i was just second shooting with my wife all the time and for like the last two years like we've started kind of easing me into doing weddings on my own like last year i started like last year i shot like my first weddings under my own brand name redwood lane and like before that like i was doing like engagement shoots and other small stuff under my own brand building into like doing my own like weddings under my own brand and so like it's all been kind of like a process and then like this year has been kind of like a every week that i've been contacted by somebody through my brand redwood lane i've already been booked out through jen's brand (laughs) to shoot something <laughs> just kind of like the way we've been kind of yeah. restructuring our business and thinking about how we want to do things going forward so it's it's really good for us because like i'm working more i'm doing more stuff on my own and like i creatively love doing more stuff on my own i love taking more ownership and leadership with that sort of stuff and like when i sold my video production company like it meant kind of like taking a back seat for two years and not being like drive not driving stuff as far as like where i want things to go so like this is a lot better for me as far as like fulfilling me creatively. Yeah. But like a large part of the reason why we started doing more associate shooter type stuff and like why I started shooting on my own is because we were getting so many contacts for the same date. And I know earlier I said like, there's not really like a dead time of the year for Indiana (laughs) photographers. We can book year round. But I would say typically for Jen and I, we get most of our bookings. It's just like we're, we were getting so many contacts for the same date. Yes. And we could refer all of that stuff away to other photographers, other videographers and let them deal with it. Um, and that's great for building more of a community and like uh, investing more in other people in our area, which is really great for if you're trying to get more people to come to you because like the more you can refer people out to other vendors in your area, the, the more other vendors are going to refer people back to you. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's not like a 100% guarantee, but like generally speaking, the more positive vibes you put out in the world, the more positive vibes there are that yeah. come back to you. True. So it, it was kind of like a decision that we had to make of if we start doing associate sh- like shooters for our weddings, if I start shooting more weddings on my own without Jen, that means we're going to be referring less people, but it also means we're going to be getting more clients. 
because what we found what we found over the last year is a lot of the times when we pitch somebody on using one of our associates or on using me as opposed to using Jen, those are people who wouldn't have even told us, hey, we're going with someone else. Yeah. Or hey, if you're not available, could you send us referrals or something like that? So it feels like a net gain to us. Cause like when we can't shoot something, we still can refer people out. <laughs> When we get like multiple contacts for the same day, we can still try to sell them on something we have if it fits their needs. And the main thing there is like if it fits their needs, because we never want to try to sell something to a client if it's not something that's going to be helpful to them or something that will benefit them. Because like we don't want to say like, hey, you know, hire hire somebody like hire Steve or hire one of our associate shooters if we feel like they don't fit our style, they don't fit our brand, they don't fit well, like what we're trying to create. Cause like so, we, we want to have good yeah. connection. So I have a question there. Like, um, when, when you have associate shooters working for you, obviously you're still kind of like, you're still offering your photography, your style, your experience, but how do you, how do you hire, um, associate shooters that kind of stick to your, your branding? So the first year we went about and we hired like people who we'd worked like whose work we respected in the area. We had a lot of trouble with a selling like their their like photos, like their photography to our clients. And like we had like some associate shooters who they don't shoot their own weddings. They associate shoot for other photographers. That's all they do. And they shoot for like five or six other photographers in the area. But like when we said we were looking for associate shooters, they said they wanted to work with us as well. So like it was like, cool, yeah, that'd be awesome. What we found over the last year was not a ton of people wanted to go with somebody who was like that. What they wanted to go with was somebody who had second shot with us before, who had worked with us a lot before, and um, specifically like somebody who really gelled with what Jen and I were trying to do. So like this next year going forward, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to invest in some of the second shooters who shot with us last year and working them into more of an associate like phase with our company. And that's been really cool because like a lot of the people who have second shot with us over the last year, they've run their own businesses. They're shooting their own weddings, Mm -hmm. but they have like full-time jobs. So they're not like hitting it, you know, 24 seven like we are. So they're not getting nearly as many contacts as we are. So when we get a contact for like a date where it's like, we can't shoot it, but maybe an associate could, we just contact them and we say like, are you available? And we try to bring them in that way. But like, yeah, one of the problems I feel like we had over the last year was just like not, not necessarily gelling super well with the associates that we had booked and stuff like that. And like this year going forward, it's like the associates we've chosen to work with are all people who we've been shooting with over the last two years. And like last year I shot a ton of weddings on my own and like through my company Redwood Lane and like Jen was shooting a ton of weddings on her own because I was already booked on that day for Redwood Lane. So we both got to work with a bunch of different second shooters who we hadn't ever worked with before which allowed us to meet a bunch of people who are super talented in the area. A lot of people who have full-time jobs who aren't doing this, who either who aren't doing their own photography full-time yet or who aren't wanting to do their own photography full-time. Yeah. So there are people who 
we can invest like our time and like Jen's actually doing a training in like two weeks with one of our uh, second shooters who were like trying to bump up to like being an associate shooter yeah. this year. I would highly recommend before you ever hire somebody as an associate shooter to have them as a second shooter because it gives them a feel for how you work <laughs> and what you expect. Yeah. And just like working with people who you already trust because you already trust them to like be your second shooter. So like our main person that we're using this next year for like associate shoots is somebody who's worked with me several times and has worked with Jen a few times as well. And she's, she just shoots in our style already. And like, it makes it a lot easier when we go to edit. Like, I mean, she's not exactly like Jen and I are like Jen and I are super in sync because we've been shooting together for eight years. Yeah. Um, so like she's, she still has like her own style, but like the things that are different about her style are things we like and we appreciate. Like she's super good with candid. She's super good with like picking up things that like we don't see on the wedding day. So like we, we trust her because when we are choosing photos from weddings, like we choose so many of her photos on the day because she's killing it already for yeah, us. Yeah. And like she already like has proven to us time and time again that like not only is like she committed to doing like really good work, but like yeah. she's also just like she's fully capable of doing all this on her own. Over the last few years, like I, I for people who don't know who listen to Ulysses podcast, I do a podcast called The Wedding Photo Hangover with my good friend Dustin McKibben. And good, good I friend. have yeah, my good good friend Dustin McKibben. And <laughs> I've been shooting a lot more with him over the last like year and a half since we started the podcast, even before we started the podcast, like the last two or three years, I've just been shooting a lot more with him and he shoots in an extremely different style from like what I shoot and what I think you should shoot. Yeah. Um, And so I have found myself adapting myself to how he shoots on multiple occasions and like trying to train myself to shoot more like him when I'm out on his like shoots and doing work for him and it's not easy, but like that adaptability has made me, I feel like more comfortable with shooting stuff like with my wife and stuff like that, um, for our businesses and trying to, Jen and I used to fight a lot (laughs) when we (laughs) shoot together. Um, because I'm more of like a dark and moody sort of person. She's more of like a classic or traditional sort of person. Like, and like mixing our styles together has just been it hasn't always been the easiest and like now we shoot together really well and i would say like maybe four or five years ago we just were murdering each other all the time because like we would just get in fights about like different things we thought were important on the day or how we thought we should capture things and stuff and so it's just super important i feel like to work more on being adaptable even with like somebody who you're shooting with for full time because like jen and i have been shooting together for eight years and it has not been like super easy or walking the park the whole time like there have been times where like oh man jen and i have fought hardcore (laughs) on wedding days and like there have been times where we have been shooting together and like we have probably made videographers or wedding planners, DJs feel uncomfortable <laughs> with how much we're fighting. But I mean, like that's just like with marriage. Anytime you're around 
somebody else for like a prolonged period of time like your close friends you, yeah <laughs> you run the risk of making them feel uncomfortable at some point in time oh, yeah all right man uh i'm sure all your listeners are here and they know how to get in contact with you but tell all of my listeners how they can find you on the interweb social media all that stuff so as I referenced a few times already, I do a podcast with Dustin McKibben called Wedding Photo Hangover. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Just do a search for Wedding Photo Hangover. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're everywhere. But the thing that I'm most excited about right now is Jen and I, my wife, Jen and I have uh, we started making a podcast called Wedded and Wedded is all about planning your wedding and it's like a funny look at planning your wedding and just like uh, doing doing stupid crazy stuff and like uh, talk talk talking through the bullshit of like wedding planning because there is so much bullshit it comes with wedding planning it's a good so, insight into uh like relationships in general too i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and jen and i you know we're we're picking up listeners and you know i know most of you are wedding photographers well guess what jen and i are also wedding photographers so on our podcast about wedding planning we advocate mostly for wedding photographers because <laughs> we're not just going to advocate for the bride and tell the bride and groom or we're not just going to advocate for the bride and groom and tell them like, Hey, you know, do what makes you feel good. We're also going to say like, Hey, uh, but also your wedding vendors all have needs and wants. So <laughs> feel free to recommend the wedding, wedded, wedded podcast to all of your potential <laughs> clients. And, uh, I think, we specifically have like an episode that's all about like how you should tip your vendors really, really well. <laughs> Recommend everybody to listen to that one. Um, no, we jokingly say that uh, we hypnotize all of our listeners into giving their wedding vendors big tips. So, but, but for serious, we try to do that like seriously. Yeah. So if we have any any of our clients currently listening to this episode, please go listen to the wedded podcast. <laughs> Get those big tips, baby. You know what and I'm saying? Go listen to episode uh what episode was that, Steve? If you can uh, just every plug that episode one ever. Every episode yeah. ever. Just listen yeah. to every yeah. episode ever. <laughs> Well, thanks, man. It's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on again. I'm glad that I can uh, turn this into another two episodes because <laughs> we've been talking for the last three hours. Uh, you know what? We've been drinking beer this whole time. Uh, let me plug my Untapped real quick. Uh, jump yeah. on Untapped. You can find me at Great Indiana Man because <laughs> I'm a narcissist, I guess. <laughs> No, because my my old uh, my old screen my old username on Untapped was referenced like my gamer tag, and I'm my son now uses my old gamer tag, so I'm trying to distance myself from that and distance people from that. So, Great Indiana Man is where you can find me on Untapped right now, and uh, it's got all my check-ins, all my good good check-ins. And that's it for this week, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Please, if you haven't already, leave me a review. Leave me a five-star rating. Subscribe to the podcast. If you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me there at Wedding Photo Podcast. You can also find me at Del Toro Photo on Twitter. 
and you can join the Facebook group with some of our listeners who are on there having discussions about uh, the wedding photography industry, photography topics, and if you have any questions for the podcast, you can ask them there as well. So thanks again for listening, guys, and we will see you on the next one.